Welcome to Emerge City Now podcast. It's our mission at East City to see lives changed one person, one block, and one city at a time. We pray this podcast impacts your life so that you can emerge to who God has created you to be. Today, we're about to get into a, an amazing conversation. Um, I'm excited. I know um, our visionary is excited. I, 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 I believe he's on like 10,000 right now. So I believe that there's going to be a, uh, an immaculate word that comes um, and it's going to be powerful. So again, even if you don't have any, if you don't, if you still don't get everybody in the room, get them in, get them out the bathroom, get them out there, out the corners in their rooms, let them all come and listen to this word because it's definitely going to be dynamic. Today we're talking about a paradigm shift, definitely something that needs to be heard in this time. Um, so without further ado, I'm going to bring um, our vision prophet Felton on with me and we're going to get into this conversation. Hey sir, how you doing? <laughs> well, good afternoon, good afternoon, good afternoon, good afternoon. Uh, prophet Briggs, uh, it is great, it is great and uh, I'm so excited. Uh, before we even jump into, uh, I'm excited, I'm going to talk more about it later, this Act Now campaign. Yes. Uh, that is something we're not just doing for Texas, that is an initiative we're actually uh, doing here totally uh, through the Emerge City uh, Ministry. Um, so yeah, but I'm excited. Yes, the Lord is good. I'm on. Yeah, I'm a little, I won't say I'm on ten thousand. I'm on like eighty thousand right now. <laughs> uh, and I think it's just because this is such a needed topic. Uh, I think the Lord is just blessing us through conversation, and so I'm excited. So yeah, let us go now, and uh, yeah, let's 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 continue from last week because last week was a banger. So let's see oh, yeah. what the Lord has to say for this week. Last week was definitely powerful, and this week is going to be another explosion um, <laughs> to the people of God. So um, let's get right into it. So, of course, the first question, um, and I'm sure everybody else, you know, as they see, they they see that the big words and at the bottom paradigm shift future uh-huh. awaits. So, what is a paradigm shift and a shift, and how does it relate to? The conversation we will be having today. Well, you know you're part of emergency when you get tongue-tied, praise the Lord. <laughs> uh, uh, well, so I think, uh, let, let's really break down this word, and then I'm going to do why we're having this conversation. So a, what is a paradigm shift? Let's deal with what a paradigm is. Uh, the word paradigm is a typical example or a pattern. Um, so to give a summation to that, it is a system. All right. And so we're saying there's a shift to a system. And what system might that be? So when you look at the whole component of a paradigm shift, it deals with a fundamental change. So this is the nature of the root of a thing. So the word of fundamental deals with the Latin word para, um, para, um, fundamentum. And that word fundamentum deals with foundation. And mm-hmm. so the Lord, if we look through COVID-19, through all of this thing, it came to deal with the foundation of a person, the foundation within our home, the foundation within our churches, the foundation within our culture, and it caused an uproar. It caused a shifting. And the reason that being is because let's go to the first scripture for today, uh, for this paradigm shift. We're going to go to the book of Romans, Romans uh, chapter number eight. Let's go there. And I'm going to honestly tell you, we're as, as Brother Mother will say, we're going to go to the hood version. If you don't know what the hood version is, it is the message version. Romans chapter eight. Let's go there real quick. This is um, 
<laughs> if I wish I could see Brother Mel's face uh, right now, because he says, "Oh God, this is one of my this is my favorite passage." I preached literally from this passage, I think, almost last year. So let's go here of what the paradigm shift is. Uh, Romans chapter eight, verse one through two, in the message reads here: With the arrival of Jesus, the Messiah, that fatal dilemma is resolved. Those who enter in Christ being here for us no longer live under continuous, low-lying black cloud. Wow. A new power is in operation. Mm. The spirit of life in Christ, like a strong wind, has magnificently cleared the air, freeing you from a faded lifetime of brutal tyranny at the hands of sin and of death. And so one of the things that the paradigm shift is dealing with is us living under the formation of spiritual wickedness that has bound us. And, and with that wickedness is really dealing with the part of the believer of the systems of just our hearts, our minds and our spirits. And so there are some systems in which we have to break as unbelievers. And you're probably saying, what is those uh, what are those spirits? What are those systems? Can I tell you that you got to break the spirit of heaviness? Uh, you got to break the spirit of perversion. You got to break the spirit of the Antichrist. You got to break the spirit of familiarity. And these are things that have plagued the church. And the reason why it has plagued the church, it is because in order to set a system in on place, there must be a leader that sets the system in place. And so mm -hmm. this paradigm shift that we're speaking about is first to the leadership of the church, to the leadership within culture, because we are the guardians, the governors, the gatekeepers. And so to deal with this aspect, even if you understand scripture uh, and mostly looking at the Old Testament, the priests were the gatekeepers. When people came to bring sacrifice or offerings, it was the priest that brought forth atonement. And this is why everyone could not enter into the holies of holies. But thank God for Jesus that gives us a right. But there is still a, a, a sacredness that must return back to this, the house of God. And so what the Lord is now dealing with us is the return of the sacred hallelujah jesus there has been a there has been a breaching into the house of god because we have that had the guardians the governors and the gatekeepers and so the reason why we've the church has lost its foundation because we've lost reliance on god we have lost reliance on God. And this reliance is because we have allowed these darknesses because we built more into personalities. You must understand is that we have gone more as leaders. And I want to talk about this. I just preached this for our apostle. We've had people that have wanted to look for the word of the Lord or they're looking for a move of God, but they're not heeding to the instructions of God. When you look at scripture, especially when it comes to Eli and Samuel, you must understand why did the Lord choose? To Samuel, because there came a point in time where Eli's eyes became dim. The references of dim is don't ignore me. When God was telling Eli ignored God. He ignored God because one of the things is he became, he allowed familiarity to breach the temple. What do you mean? Because Eli trained his sons. He was a priest. His job, he trained Samuel. He was to cre create or to maintain the order of worship. But his sons defiled the temple by um, 
bringing witness, wickedness into the house. And right. the reason why that wickedness came is because they lost reliance on God because they were looking at this sense of the what the offering brought to become fat. You read scripture, especially in first uh, Samuel chapter two, especially verses 12 to 22. You hear the conversation about when they walked through the file. They were looking for the offering that made them fat. And that mm. aspect of fat is the sense of personal and fleshly pleasure. And so we have now got into a church where that it is more about the fantasy and it's more about the pleasure of the now than the integrity for the future. And wow. so this is what the Lord is saying to us as a church that the paradigm shift is that we bring back Jesus to bring the resolution. That is the resolve that the church has to come to, that we cannot move into this next phase of revival, reformation, revolution without the without the invitation or what out the bringing in of Jesus because we are trying to resolve issues of mental health of deliverance in our own capacity right. we are literally having people in mind battles of torment and anguish but there has not been an invitation to Jesus we're wow. trying to give people our own opinions and words but we are not aligning them to the word of the Lord we're trying to give people prophecy can I tell you something you got to understand that the prophecy must be aligned to the word of God because right. scripture even tells us prophecy shall cease why does it cease it's because prophecy comes through the personality of the prophet but mm. the word of the lord is not biased it doesn't have it has a truth to it it has a penetration that does come through the personality of the lord and so we have to realize that we got to deal with the block the the low level biting cloud of we've been living in that we need a shift because guess what the church has been living in a black hole. Mm. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I'm going to leave it there. Praise the Lord. I hope that answered the question of what is but a it, paradigm it, it shift. It pivoted me to another question. <laughs> okay. You were saying. So you, you said something. You said sacredness must return to the house mm -hmm. of God. Yes, sir. Do you, believe, do you believe that sacredness has has left the house of God because we've lost reverence for who he truly is and his power? Yes, um, sacredness has lost out to God because sacred sacredness is not just for the believers. It, watch the sacredness started with the leader. Mm. The leaders developed the culture of that house, mm. and so because we have lost leaders that lost worship. Wow. And worship is not a song; it's a posture; it's a lifestyle. Right. Because we have lost leaders that have lost Jesus, they didn't lose a gift; they lost Jesus. Because you keep thinking because your gift is operative and your gift is is working through the emotions of an individual that you have to handle the Lord on you. Mm -hmm. King Saul had position, but he didn't have power. So can we discern when something is working through the position of a thing or the power of the thing? See, what you have to understand is um, that uh, this is used for instance. Uh, how how would I say this in, in this dynamic? Um, watch this. King Nebuchadnezzar had a, had a position, but Daniel had a power. Mm. Because you have to understand the power that works brings shifts. <laughs> so your power brings forth the movement of God.
And so when the power of God comes, there should be an evidence of his spirit. There should be evidence. There should be deliverance. There should be breakthrough. There should be revival. There should be maturity. And this is how we know that sacredness has lost because the the maturity of the believer is not, they're not mature. How do you know a person is not mature? How you respond to warfare? Can you you discern the difference between warfare and boot camp? They look the same. Wow. Because boot camp has to take on the formulation of the warfare that you're going to go through so that your mind can handle the pressure of the atmosphere of your assignment. Can you discern when you're under warfare or boot camp? But we cannot do that because we don't have the understanding. We keep uh, diminishing every season of complexity, every season of confrontation, every season of hardship as warfare when it might be boot camp. It is because there's no sensitivity to the spirit because our reliance is on a natural thing of our eye. We must understand scripture. Uh, Let's go to uh, 2 Corinthians. I I, got to do this. Let's go to 2 Corinthians. We're going to work the book today. 2 Corinthians chapter This This is something, again, if you're watching this, please share it uh, because we definitely want you to get this word. So 2 Corinthians, I'm going to read this though through the New Living Translation. Um, second Corinthians chapter number 10. Let's start at number first, number three. All right. Um, all right, let's go to verse number two, second Corinthians chapter number 10, starting at verse number two. Well, I am begging you now that when I won't, when I come, I won't have to be bold with those who think we act from human motives. So why has sacredness lost? Because we have put human motives as the agenda of God. Wow. We have put the, the, the that that has brought a complexity that is beyond measure. So it says this: we are human, but we do not wish as humans do. We watch this: use God's mighty weapons, not what worldly weapons. So mm-hmm. what are worldly weapons? What does that look like? We use this is what worldly weapons look like. God said, "How do you use the the gate of you use the power of life?" which is your tongue, and you you can believe a lie from the accuser because that's what the enemy is. Oh, you you will be uh, you be bound, you no good, you weak. You believe all those things. And right. you say, oh, this is the way I am, blah, blah, blah. But you don't believe in the same tongue that says you have, like, I'm confused. Yeah. How do you not believe? It is because the mindset of the person is trying to come back. Watch this. Um. We don't use mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds. You are trying to combat a natural thing, uh, a spiritual thing in a natural way. So you keep thinking, oh, if I can break this. No, you have to realize you are dealing with spirits. You, And that's why we keep going against people. No, I'm not coming at you because what I must understand at you is that there is a working. There's an operation. There is a system. There is a paradigm that is trying to come in operation. So when I'm coming against you, you don't may not see a demon because what demons need or spirits need, they need a vessel. And so we keep looking at the person as the target because our eyes are not aware of warfare. Wow. We're not aware because again, we have moved Christianity. We have moved our faith to this emotional sense of church. We've more lost the reliance of God. This is why we went through a time. So we have to even look at when Eli was 
Eli got dim eyes. They called Samuel. Samuel's name means God hears. Watch this. My God hears. So Samuel being the last prophet before they move into a season and they move into a time of, watch this, um, the kings. Um, so kingship. So watch this. Do you realize he gave them what they wanted? Mm. He gave them what they wanted to see. But mm. where did that lead them? You, you, I gave you what you wanted to see, but you still missed me. You begged for a king. And the king couldn't get you out the wilderness. Wow. You still needed a prophet. You still need a prophetic voice. So then guess what? We got to come to a place as believers that our eyesight doesn't make us miss what God is saying. Mm. And this is why we keep de de depicting moves of God in church by shouting, by laying out, by what we see. But what right. if God is silent? What if there's a stillness in the atmosphere? Jesus. We see this, there's a stillness in the atmosphere. So come lay down. The burdens you have carried or in the sanctuary, God is here. But when there is stillness, we say, God, where are you? What if he's still? We don't know how to discern the hand of God, the move of God, because we have put it into an emotion. But praise the Lord. Amen. He was talking about that. Uh, boot camp and understanding the difference between boot camp and war. Um, having went through boot camp, boot camp is designed to help you understand and how to depict distractions. When you go through boot camp, boot camp allows you to now iron out everything at home, um, you know, to get all everything that you everything that, you need, that can be a distraction. And you go to warfare. One year in boot camp, boot camp is designed for you to take care of those things so that when you go to warfare, there are no more distractions. So I, 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 I definitely agree with that, how people don't understand the difference between boot camp and warfare. They look the same, but watch this. With war, watch this. With boot camp, there's instruction. With war, there is no instructions. Right. Where there is war, you have to take the instructions you have. But how do, you know why we can't fight war? Because we don't have instructions. Mm. You can't fight in the warfare. It's because you never listen to your drill sergeant in boot camp. Mm-hmm. And so guess what? A drill sergeant, a real drill sergeant can discern you're not ready for war because you didn't listen to instructions. Because one of the biggest things you got to know how to use your gun right because you can kill. You got to know how to discern from afar an enemy from you for someone that's affiliate of yours. You got to know how they move and maneuver. You know, I know one time you was telling us how you were in training and basically one of your trainings where y'all were doing live fire and y'all had to literally if you move the wrong way, you can get shot by your, your own partner. How many of us have been getting shot by other believers? Jesus. Because we cannot discern how to use our artillery. We don't know how to use our guns. We, the crazy part is the church is the only place that breaks you down. Like it's one of the, it's the place you're supposed to be built up, be edified, but it breaks you down. Why? Because we don't know how to use our artillery. We combat against people and not against spirits. Right. That's the paradigm shift that we have to go through. Where we bring back deliverance through now restoration. We go now and deal with the mind. God, it's, you know how what is bad? You can't discern what spirit someone's dealing with. You can't depict worry from depression. You can't depict a... You can't... How? It's because you don't got no word. You got a gift. 
And we have allowed the operations of gifts to validate platforms and altars to now guess what? When warfare comes, you don't put you don't make nothing gets scared. Right. This is how you know what gets scared when you come into his presence. Anytime Jesus walked, demons trembled. We say that, but do we not walk in the same power that Jesus walks in? But what trembles when we come? Jesus. What power? Paul, I know. Peter, I know. But who? Who are you? Who, who are you? Because what power do you walk in? What instructions do you walk in? Can you even discern who I am? Because Jesus says, what, when Jesus was tempted, he says, what's your name? My name is Legion. Can you have the authority that you don't get scared when a demon talks? <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Go ahead, go ahead. Because we, we, we got all this authority. Because Romans 8, let's go back to it. Gotta go back to it. Gotta go back to it. Gotta go back to it. Listen, we're gonna get Bible all day today. All day today. I'm here for it. Romans 8. The longer you do not walk in the will of God, look what happens. Romans 8. And let's go down to verse 18. And I want you to get for those that deal with selfishness and pride and ego and whatever the case may be. This, 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 let's say this, or that can't handle pressure or boot camp. I want you to realize what you're doing. Romans 8 and 18. Yet we suffer now. It's nothing compared to the glory that revealed in us. We get so happy. All the glory going to be revealed. One, you got to go through suffering. Let's get that. Glory doesn't, glory is the, um, is this, it comes after suffering. If there's no glory, there was no suffering. If Mm. there's suffering, there is glory. But look at this. Verse 19. For all creation is waiting eagerly for the future day when when God will reveal who his children really are. The longer you prevent suffering, the longer you prevent revelation. Mm. Suffering brings forth revelation. Revelation of who God is. So the longer we resist the hand of God, the friction of God, the maturity of God, the longer we prevent other people with seeing God. Because there are people that are assigned to you but to see God, so yeah, I'm done there. Listen, you're talking, you're talking, <laughs> really good here. You're talking real good. Um, but we had we had touched a little bit on uh, uh, leaders. Um, we, we definitely spoken that a little bit, even even how you were just speaking about how with, with Jesus, Jesus, of course, he had his disciples and he was the leader. So, with this shift, with this shift, with this shift, how does one handle being under a leader that is resistant to the transition? Well, if your leader's resistant to the transition, your leader's resistant to the Holy Ghost. So let's not take that personal. Um, there, you know, I'm the vine, you are the branches. So one thing about leadership that in, in this paradigm shift, they must understand we got to go through a pruning because it's going to come through an un- unorthodox uh, nature in, in, in how this operation goes. So for anyone that has a leader and they have an abil- uh, inability to transition, it's probably because they have demise. They have a one-minded perspective. They have, oh, this is how God should work because they have moved off of just the visual component of the Holy Ghost. They have not moved through the true nature of Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 that we constantly say, trust in the Lord and lean not to thy own understanding. We don't get that. We use that scripture on reliance. Oh, we use that as motivation to others, but we've never taken ownership for ourselves. So there is a time when leadership resists the movement of God or they resist this transition. It is because they lack faith. And that's one of the biggest realities. We have leaders that can preach great sermons, but lack faith in the same sermon that they're preaching. Right. 
Mm-hmm. You know, there are there are believers that can preach and prophesy to other people, but not believe it for themselves. So a lot of times leaders that are resistant is because they their inability to not have control. They want to have control. They want to lord over. They want to be able because they are probably dealing with one of these strongholds that we see in first Corinthians. That is insecurity. A person in inability to shift is either because they're insecure, inadequate or inferior to the future. And so because they are feeling a sense of uh, timidity in their heart of worry and anxiety, they resist and they try to control as long as they can control. That's why even to this 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 paradigm shift that we're seeing as a church through this digital age of me, leaders are still not uh, embracing this digital church because I want to be able to control. I want to be able to watch. I want to be able to monitor. I want to be able to have my hands in. But mm-hmm. we must understand, like with Moses, we got to get to a day like Moses, where Moses just followed the word of the Lord. Moses didn't have, Moses was the prophet that had to speak. And so he only had to focus on the word of God. That's why it was so pivotal for Moses to go to the mountains because he had to go to a level that was beyond who he had to minister to. And that's where leaders, we, we want to ascend to a level that we're not willing to grow after. Um, so watch this. Moses could not hear at the same level where he had to minister, like I just said. So anytime we ever hear when Moses got the word of the Lord, he had to leave the people. Mm, Our biggest fear is leaving the people. And and leaving the people means that you got to go first. Mm -hmm. Leaders have a fear of going first. Let me go to the Lord first. So guess what? A lot of times leaders will fast with their church, but they won't fast before their church. Because like leaders won't go into worship before, but they'll go to worship with everybody. No, you are literally the trendsetter. You are the you are the thermostat. You're not you know you're not the you're the thermostat. You control the element. God has put you as a governor and as a gatekeeper, and so you have to be able to now discern what's coming in the admin. You can't show up to worship when everyone show up to worship because what preparation are you allowing? So you're allowing now what atmospheres people are coming into into the house of God to set down the culture of the house. So. It's just in totality. This is why we have to have those. Uh, Even looking at Leviticus chapter 8 with Moses and Aaron. Aaron had to stay uh, in a point uh, as a priest at a time to hear the word of the Lord. He had to stay. Him him and those elders that were consecrated had to stay away from the people because guess what? They had their their ears had to be vetted from the voice of the people. You had to become unfamiliar to who you were once around. Wow. You cannot hear at the same level of the people you got to lead. You cannot. Because if you hear the same level, you're going to have the same interpretation. And when they're looking for an answer from you, you're going to be looking for it because you're on the same frequency. And the Bible says, how can the blind lead the blind unless they fall into a ditch? This is why the church has to come out the ditch. Because we have to get leaders that are willing to go for it. Will there be one? I feel my help today now. Will there be one that's willing to go first? Will there be one that's not waiting for everybody else to do? Will there be one that's willing to set a blaze? Will there be one willing to set the ship? I don't got to wait for everybody. Oh, everybody don't want to show up the prayer, but I'm going to show up the prayer. I don't care if I'm by myself. I got to get to a place in my spirit and into my life where I don't allow my flesh to control what God is trying to do. Because I got to be one. Maybe someone else is waiting for me. Scripture says the sons of God are waiting. Some people are waiting, but you keep thinking they don't want to do it. No, they need an example. You're the example. Mm -hmm. 
That's why you're the leader. And leadership is not a title. It's an acceptance of responsibility. Jesus. That's why we got too many people that got titles, but they still are not leaders. That's a gift. Your title is just a, a, a revelation of your authority. It was just, just because you have authority doesn't mean you operate in that authority with power. Mm -hmm. So this is where we got to get to. Are there people that's willing to go first? If you're watching this and you're willing to go first, I just need you to write in the comments, go first. I'll go first. This is what we got to get. Like I said, here I am, Lord. Send me. We don't got that kind of anointing because it comes with a target. Right. Oh, you're doing too much. Oh, you a flunky. Oh, 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 you just the you the pet. You this, you that. Shut your mouth and go sit down somewhere because oh. you trying to keep me in a place that you can't even deliver yourself out of. So why am I listening to a dead thing? You dead. But I'm listening. <laughs> Jesus, how, how, how are you listen to a thing that's entertaining death? How? how? Somebody help me. You're listening to someone in depression. That's about, that's a, that's by the way of wickedness. And you're letting that be the dictation of your future. So you're letting a dead thing be the word in the instruction. So you could believe a dead thing, but you can't. Like how? How? Help me. Life and death falls in the power of the tongue. Right. So you're led someone that's bound by a spirit of wickedness. Speak a future into your life. Right. But you won't believe the word of the Lord. I'm confused. You won't believe in something that's never lost, but you believe in the thing that says you can't. What? So you believe in something that says you can't be delivered, but you won't listen to something that says you can be delivered. Right. So it's easy to believe a dead thing. Oh, so you're going to say, oh, you got this sickness. So it's easy to believe this is terminal. It's easy to believe that this is over. It's easy to believe that. But when God says, I will deliver, when God says, I'll heal, when God says, I'll make a way, you can't believe in that? I'm confused. Oh, that means I see what is your Lord. I see what is your foundation. It ain't the word of the Lord. Because the word of the Lord ignites your faith. And that's what it's telling me. Many people got sight. Many people don't got vision. Jesus. Many people live on circumstances. They don't live on faith. They got a circumstantial Christianity. I live based on my circumstances. It's called pessimism. They live on just how, how it goes, however it goes. Go with the flow. Yeah, go. Okay. When I don't know, I'm going to the, the rock. I'm going to the heaven. I'm going to G. I'm going to something that can lead me. Absolutely. Because when I don't know and I fail me, I'm going to something that can help find me. That can lead me. Some, that, something that's been where I where I'm trying to go. So this is the crazy part. You're gonna believe this, this to help me. And this, I'm gonna let you ask the next question. You're going to believe something that has limited sight with something rather than something that's already been where you've been. He's Alpha and Omega. Right. So you he's the beginning and the end. We say these scriptures, but don't realize 
your answer is in him. Right. So, yeah. Maybe they need another another word to put between Alpha and Omega to let us to remind them that he's in the middle as well. Yeah. That's why he says I'm the chief cornerstone. Oh. Right. Okay. Okay. I'm the Lord that remembers. But, but to your yeah. point, to your point about why are we allowing dead things to speak? Um, Ecclesiastes nine, it says, "The living at least know they will die, but the dead know nothing. They have no further reward, nor are they remembered." Whatever they did in their lifetime, loving, hating, envying, is all long gone. They no longer play a part in anything here on earth. That, that's Bible. That's 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 what says. Okay. Nine, five and six. Okay. Okay. To, you booked it. You booked yeah. it for the people. How? <laughs> How? You letting the dead thing control your life? That's why the enemy intimidates you with the with with these accusations and and the accuse you of, you know, he brings things up because the thing about it is he already knows his future. Mm-hmm. He knows your future. Why? He's been in the dimension you're trying to reach. Mm-hmm. You'll catch that later. <laughs> You'll catch that. So the enemy knows the power of the dimension you're trying to tap into because mm-hmm. he once operated in that dimension. He doesn't want you to tap in because that dimension is more powerful than him. Jesus. He knows your power, but you don't. Yes. This is why he works the way that he works. If I could keep you and I can have you focus just on a gift. Right, my God. Like, come on. Like, how? I'm not. How? How do I listen to something that got kicked out of what I have access to? Right, right. So you're this is this is the funny part. So it's like you have a job position, right? You got a job position. This is the fun. You got a job. You let you work at your job. Someone got fired from your job, but they and now you have that position. You listening to them to how to do your job, and they got fired from that job. What? That makes no sense. <laughs> you got fired. Why would I listen to you? Right. It's the reason you got fired. And so, according to our next question, let it flow, sir. Let it flow. So, speaking about these things, could it be? Because uh, to me, because uh, with this next question speaks on tradition, mm-hmm. uh, traditional church culture. Um, mm-hmm. Usually, tradition is passed down, like passed down through generations. Mm-hmm. So, could it be? That's not that's that's let me just ask the question. How does traditional how does tradition traditional church culture um operate in the midst of a shift of this type of shift, this paradigm? Okay, so I want to deal with the word tradition. Tradition, I want to first deal with the tradition is a tradition can be a system, um, but then also tradition can be um um basically a mindset. And so the traditional aspect, there are certain things traditional that we need to keep in the aspect of context, the moral tradition of what scripture says and how we should be found upon as a church. But the systematic aspect of traditional church must shift. And so with that, it mu- they must be willing to go through reformation. And so we must be willing to give up ourselves. We must be able to go back and lay the vision before the Lord. Uh, we must be able to go back and seek God um, because th- and this is not against 
convince anybody that may formulate into a denomination because I believe that there are systems like you had to realize that the Jesus that the Lord broke even the the people of Israel to tribes so that's a system that's a culture you're the tribe of Benjamin you're the tribe of Dan you're the tribe you know those twelve tribes represent a culture and a system so it's not necessarily wrong what then pivots the church into a place of not being able to be free from the man-made um, aspect of lording or the man-made um, limitation is when we lose God's focus. So mm-hmm. I don't believe that traditional church and the aspect of the moral concept of what scripture says to us and seeing the things of like the church of Antioch and, you know, the church of Ephesus, certain things in which Paul instruct tradition, um, you got to understand their power. So tradition in the concept of moral, it's okay. But in the aspect of a system that keeps us in a place where we are moving on old, um, we're moving on just what was, um, where we're moving on not the spirit of God, but just on the man-made personal uh, gratifications of our own uh, heart or how we interpret, but we don't go to the Lord. See, one of the things is that I love about Moses was that Moses showed us a system. He showed us a system of depending on God. He wanted to keep them in the heart of God. The Ten Commandments is a system. That's a tradition that that we keep as moral principles. Though Jesus came to fulfill the law, that doesn't mean that we go back and we start doing everything that he fulfilled. No, that system must now come into a place in our own heart, our mind, and our spirit where we are like aligning ourselves to now still walk in the abundance of that fulfillment. But the traditional aspect is that we don't move into where we make man God. Because the thing about it is then we start making people forfeit the promise of God. That is why Moses didn't enter the promised land. He didn't enter the promised land because he allowed people to frustrate him out of what God said. He allowed a system that he was supposed to lead be the dictation of what he was supposed to become. So when he was supposed to speak to a rock, he struck the rock because he allowed his frustration to enter his mindset. So when leaders begin to look at people more than God and dictate effectiveness, to dictate their growth um, off of people. And when I say this, the spirit of comparison, you know, um, you know what we think, oh, this works for us. You got to be willing to be taken out of your comfort zone. You have to be willing to be stretched beyond your borders, because what you must understand is that it's not the moral tradition that changes. It's the presentation. Because watch this in the Old Testament, we had little, we had prophets, we had literal. Um, the, 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 if God said it was happening, it was happening. That was in the Old Testament. When we get to the New Testament, we are introduced to a new fundamental of scripture teaching called parables. We are now called through the figurative language where the Lord begins now to minister through a figurative way. He doesn't lose, it doesn't lose the morality of what the, the and the validity of what that word says. But now, because I understand the audience, I now have to speak in a way to the, that will change, that will transform their mind. And that's where the, the shift of traditional church has to come. We don't have to lose our morality. We don't have to lose the value of the world, but we must shift our presentation. We must shift that so that we can answer to the mind of those in the audience. So it's not losing the nature of who you are. It's just knowing how to deliver it. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, you're saying that you're letting us know that there's stuff that we have to shift. Mm-hmm. 
So what's the next? The next question is a tagline to uh, tag uh, add on to that. What in your home and personal life has to shift with this paradigm? Okay, so what has to shift is the altars in your house. So what altars? Altars is a atmosphere. It's a structure. It's a system. Watch this. You will know the altar of your house by what consistently goes on in your house. Jesus. I'll say that again. What constantly goes on in your house is the altar that's in your house. So you can have an altar of confusion. It's because you've allowed confusion to operate. You can have a spirit, uh, an altar of a division. You. So we have to realize we have to now go through investigation. And investigation sometimes is not he kind of not God. What you're saying? If you take a second just to look, what is a cycle in your house? Do you know the cycles that repeat itself? Do you know the anniversary spirits? Do you know the familiar spirits that have taken dominion in your home? And the thing about it is, we keep thinking it's a person or a thing. No, it's a spirit. And because you don't combat against the spirit, that's why you don't see deliverance. And that's why when we come into the house of God, we got to keep going. It's like, you know, we keep saying, why do you keep coming to the altar? It's because they don't break the altar at home. Wow. They keep thinking the issue is them. No, it's your altar in your house. You keep leaving the altar that you come to and you receive the breakthrough and don't take it home. No, you got to take it home and combat it because what has happened is there has built a fortress. The word fortress is that military stronghold. And so we have to know how to combat. You know, one thing I will learn, even had to learn as a leader, I'm still learning. Some things have to be hit at a repetitive nature. We think we pray one time it's supposed to break. With a military struggle, it has literally taken a sense of dominion. And so run de bebe You gotta know how to take back dominion. But we don't know how to take back dominion because we're uttering our words and not the words of the Lord. When you gotta combat against an altar, you have to understand. I call a thing and it shall be. So I call forth. Now God you to break through the spirit of insecurity that's in my home. I call forth for you to break the spirit of worry that's in my home. I come against the spirit of division. You've got to know how to combat, but the combating just cannot be a one time. It gotta be until it breaks. What we do is until it, sh- uh, until it, uh, 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 oh, it chips. No, it, oh, it chips. Oh, it chips. Okay, that's good. No, no, no. I need this thing to break because what is now doing, it is creating a mindset that is frictioning with the will of God. And because God cannot be invited into my home, then I cannot hear. And this is why I said, well, why here at here? Why here here? It is because your atmosphere has not been receptive. You are not on the right connection. So you have to now, what altars are in your house? What altars are in your house? Can you discern altars? Let me help you with you. Help you. Help you. Let me help you with a what 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 altars could be in your house. Sarcasm could be in your house. Boastfulness could be in your house. Gossip, embarrassment, humiliation, stubbornness, self-righteousness, doubt, unbelief rebellion, intellectualism. Yes, where you think your mind know everything. Self-help can be an altar. You got emotional weakness can be an altar. Hindering can be an altar. Greed, hoarding can be an altar. Gluttony can be an altar. You got to realize what altars are in your house. Depression can be an altar. And so the reason why you cannot break or you can't, it is because this altar has to now be eradicated. It has to now come with a 
forth. So you now need reinforcement. You now need now a sense of authority, but that comes by a, dig, a, a deeper depth. This is why you got to dig. We don't want to dig anymore. You know what dig stands for? Depth in God. What is your depth in God? You will dig, and the more you dig, the more de depth you're getting. The more depth you're getting, the more the, the more strong and secure you are. But we don't want that. Because the tape watches digging makes you dirty, and it makes you tired. But God wants you tired in your dig. Oh, what do you mean? Because in your weakness, there's my strength. See, I'd rather you be weak in me so I can show my strength in you. Jesus. Can you get weak in God? Paul says, I'm weak in Christ. Watch this. My weakness in God makes God move on my behalf. Can I tell you why God hasn't moved? You haven't become weak. <laughs> That's why God hasn't moved. You ain't weak. You too tired. You, oh, I got this. Oh, you got this? As long as you got it, guess what? He's going to stand on the outside. So, you got it. between frustrated and weak. We think because we frustrated, we weak. No, no. <laughs> Paul said it was good that I was afflicted. That's frustration. Oh, this is a thorn in my flesh. Yeah, that's good. I mean, my grace is sufficient. But I need you to be weak so I can show who I am. Jesus. See, you got to get out of you. This ain't your life. It's just a vessel. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hope that answered that question. Yeah, also, another, 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 uh, what's it called? Another acronym that you that you said for day. If you want to get to your destiny, your destiny's in the ground. Yeah, destiny in the ground. Your destiny's in the ground. So you got to dig. So your depth in God reveals your destiny in God. Your right. depth in God reveals your destiny in God. But either way, you got to dig. Are we ready to dig? I need, I need a shirt that says dig. I'm a digger. I'm a digger. I'm a digger. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Go ahead, sir. We're going to get that. Get that for you. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, so a part two of because we kind of jumped into one of my questions, the altars definitely about the altars. Um, so one, another piggyback off of that: do you do you believe or do you do you feel that there are some altars that even the church caused uh, that may, may have erected even within the church and has caused people to erect different altars in their homes? Yeah, because we didn't teach people how to hear God. We told people how to hear man. Mm. You're the vessel. Yes, yes, yes. The Lord uses the leader to be the voice of God to the people, but not become God of the people. We've built personality churches and not kingdom churches. That's why certain churches, and I say this with respect, don't know how to survive after a leader dies. Because mm -hmm. can I tell you something? When Moses um, had to die or basically couldn't go with the promised land, he said, Joshua, carry on. Like, let the dead bury the dead. Like, we, we keep wanting to cry over dead things, but transition is necessary for growth. And so I think um, it is, we have built altars. We, we have built altars on our systems. Um, let me ask you something. Can, can we still hear God? And I believe in music, but let me ask you something. How can we have deliverance when we have hurt musicians? Okay. Okay, we're gonna go here. Let's just we're gonna ride down this train and then this road. Yes. You're trying to have a breakthrough, but the one ushering in the presence is broken. Broken. They're broken, but you're trying to invoke God's presence. So you're having something broken, trying to invoke something that's holy. 
and when I say I understand we all go through a brokenness, but there is an uh, we have not we built altars on uh, 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 altars of our our feel good church, our look good church, uh, whatever, whatever. This is why people can't function now. Like like digital church like this. Oh, this is this is. Uh, if you're not and, and, and all that, yeah, I can do I, again. I talked about that last week, but if you can't do that, you can't move into the future, you know. Like, if you if oh, you, you're not popping, or if you ain't got 500, you know, it, we always I think we built altars on what God looks like from a man made system that that success in God means the multitude. Jesus had the multitude, but was crucified by the multitude. So, what's really success? Success is the authority in God. Success is now the power of God being evident. The power of God is when I see miracle signs and wonders. I see healing. I see growth. I see revival. I see a restoration. I see word curses broken. I see altars of wickedness bound up and destroyed. That is where success is. And so we keep diminishing. So we built altars uh, as a, as a church of this 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 self empire uh, of where you know what real real growth, real health of church. We have so many people that are spirit filled, but emotionally broken. Mm. So we, we never dealt with the mind. Why is it? Why is mental health such an issue in the church? Cause we never dealt with the mind, but why says, why, why does, why does that be the most place that you hear? If you ever read in the Bible, Lord is speaking to the mind of the person. It is because we have overlook what deliverance looks like. We keep thinking that it's literally, okay, I believe in purging. I believe casting out the devil, whatever, but we, we've lost, watch the silent devils. <clears throat> Every devil doesn't make a sound. Wow. So we got silent devils in the church. We have silent spirits in the house of God. And we're saying, oh, they, oh, they just, they, they, they too bougie. No, they bound up by spirit and they can't open their mouth. You can't discern that because you keep looking on this outer. You keep you don't have no discernment to see what's combated in them. They may want to worship, they may be joyful, they may be extroverted, they may be happy, but because a spirit, a familiar spirit, generational spirit, whatever trauma, whatever they do, has kept them silent, so they cannot move in the presence of God. Mm-hmm. You keep looking at all oh, these people don't want to get God. No, they probably do, but they have had nobody to walk them through deliverance. Wow. But you walk me through condemnation. Right. You rebuke me when I'm already wounded. But rebuke means to honor me. You don't honor me. You judge me. That's not rebuking. That's gossip. That's slander. Discrimination. This is now the time. This is now the season where the people of God has to literally understand. Can we get some real discerning? Discerning the spirits. Can we have sound judgment to discern a thing in the house? How do we have all these bound up people and we got these powerful anointed gifts? I don't get it. How did I get to a point I'm preaching and I'm prophesying, but I go to the doctor and they want to diagnose me as a depressant three years ago? How? How did I get that far? But I'm so anointed. I'm so prophetic. I'm casting out devils, whatever, whatever, whatever. How did I get to that point? It is because you looked at my operation as my death in God. You looked at my operation as my oneness with God. Gifts and callings come without repentance. I can operate in something. Let me tell you, the devil will let you operate and let you go straight to hell. Yes, he will. It will, because guess what? The gift is a charismatic, it's a charisma. It, what? This is the shit we gotta go through. Can you discern what's in your atmosphere? 
And some of us don't even ask. I cannot see. Right. I can't hear. Because what I do see, I see trauma. Mm. What I do see, I see see my mom or my daddy. What I do hear is, is the negativity that someone said to me. But when I get he kind of little, little bullshit. First of all, half of the time, they're probably saying to somebody else's tongues. Imitate, imitate. They, they, they want church, the church tongue 101. All right, that sound like that. That sound like that. That sound like that. That dude, okay, I'm up. Bam, I'll come up with my own. Whatever. That's just that's just my 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 yeah. Go ahead, sir. He was talking about atmospheres, mm-hmm. and I know we had a class recently where we were speaking with Apostle. Shout out to GLU. <laughs> <laughs> One, two, three. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> atmospheres. Um, so, how important is for the is it for the believer to engage with the Holy Spirit? To operate in the paradigm shift, to create that atmosphere for the for the Holy Spirit to in, to inhabit or to be to to habitat the Holy Spirit. If that makes sense. Um, I think truthfully, um, to be very honest, um, it is it's a necessity. You know, how can we do things of the Spirit and not have the Spirit? Um, mm-hmm. Scripture says to us. Um, in Second Corinthians chapter number three, verse seventeen, it says, um, "Now the Lord is the Spirit. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom." You know what we have to understand. First uh, Corinthians six and nineteen to twenty says, uh, "Watch this. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies." And if you don't have, if you don't really understand that, let's look at here. Romans twelve says, "And present your bodies." As living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to the perfect will of God. Present your bodies. Why are you presenting? You're presenting your body so that the Holy Spirit can enter. The Holy Spirit is a help. It's an advocate. It's a counselor. It's a strength giver. Um, it's, It's a supplier. But as long as we don't have the Holy Spirit, then guess what? It makes it harder. It makes the journey harder. And that's where we get to combating the flesh and spirit. You won't rely on the spirit more. You'll rely on intellect, information. You'll just read the scripture, but not let it take no application or transformation into your heart. The Holy Spirit allows now the word of the Lord to become transformative in your life. So that now this not the nature of the word is being informing to your mind. It literally like you take on the spirit of the word. You take this like the, like you guys understand the word, the Holy Spirit allows us to carry the spirit. We carry in other spirits. Why not carry the Holy Spirit? But the only way to carry the Holy Spirit is you have to let spirit in. Just like you let other spirits in. <laughs> First of all, yeah, that, that's that's a side note. You carry those spirits, but why not let the Holy Spirit and carry that spirit? But we don't spend time because, again, we have moved our Christian faith to sin, to man. Oh, man, we've done what Israel did with this aim aspect of moving from prophets to kings. Give us a king. I believe in submission. I believe um, in serving. I believe having someone pass you. I believe in that. But they should lead you to God, not to just them. We don't have leaders that say, what is the word? Like, what is God saying to you? Or just listen to what I say. We This ain't Catholicism. Catholicism does it. They preach and you don't open your Bible. You just listen to everything the Pope or the priest say. What? Open your Bible. The Bible says, the Bible, the Bible, Holy Bible. Work out your own soul salvation. Oh, we don't want to do that. We want someone else to work it out so we can blame somebody else. 
we're doing with the garden. What happened with the Garden of Eden? Adam played the blame game. Mm-hmm. We don't know how to take responsibility. We're not spiritually mature because we don't want accountability. So yeah, couldn't do that before the fall, bro. Nah, nah, yeah. Yeah, so. so I have a couple more questions for you. Sure. Listen, oh, I'm, you know I'm here for it today. Listen, I'm here for it. Here for all day. Listen, this is what we do. So you know how we 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 always we always talk shows or movies. Yes. So now dealing with this this show, The Crown. Mm-hmm. Um, one so in one of the episodes, yeah, as you, like the king died, so the the queen, you know, she, the princess became the queen. Right. And one of the first things she had to do is she had to meet with the prime minister of that land. Right. So, um, cause they, they, uh, they both served together to serve the people and right. to keep the integrity of the crown of the crown. Right. So in a paradigm shift, what collaboration is needed at the hem to keep integrity, to keep the integrity of the kingdom and to serve the people. Uh, let's go to Ephesians. <laughs> Ephesians chapter two. Oh, I'm going to give you something. Yes. I gotta give you a Bible. I'm gonna give you a Bible. I gotta give you a Bible. Here we go. Ephesians chapter two, verse number twenty, to help that, um, because collaborative ministry is essential, um, to the church. Here we go. It says, "Together we are His house." Say that again. Together we are His house. Who is He talking to? You are members of God's family. Wait, so I'm reading verse nineteen. That's verse twenty. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with God's holy people. You are members of God's family. So again, we're family, right? Mm-hmm. Verse 20, together we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Collaboration is essential. And the cornerstone is Jesus Christ himself. So collaborative ministry, so for to show that aspect of it, it is because, watch this, um, for every prophet, there is a priest. And the aspect of the prophet is to every senior pastor, there is uh, whether you operate as a pastor, every church needs it needs all five gifts. So because it is to help equip and edify and to perfect the will of God in the house. So if it's just one gift, then you're not going to see the maximizing of the fullness of God's ministry or God's heart concerning that people. And so collaborative ministry is essential because every gift serves a purpose. And so you have to understand the nature of what you have to be a part of. And so collaborative ministry is essential. Every pastor um, shouldn't just have pastors on his team or evangelists on his team. You know, that's why churches that live only in the threefolded gift of the um, pastor, the evangelist, or the teacher necessarily, um, you don't see this access of supernatural things because they're missing that of the apostle and the prophet. Because certain things are in certain mantles um, and certain gifts. And so I, there isn't a need and there is a necessity of the spirit of God having collaborative ministry. Um, to you know, if you look at Bible, to every king there was a prophet. Right. So why do we lose that in church? Like we make personalities and we don't make organisms. See, mm-hmm. organisms are formulated through the sense that everyone is essential. That's what scripture says. We are one body but many different parts. But when we make empires and we make systems of personalities, we build it off of the person and off the, the you know the the personality, whatever, whatever. No, when you build an organism, you are all collectively coming together for one mission, and you all work the measure of that mi- mission through your personality, through your call, and through your assignment. That all edifies not just the local 
assembly, but through the body of Christ. But we don't have that mindset because we have feelings. We are our own timing. Can I tell you something? Regardless of what Pastor So-and-so does down the block from us, that still affects the organism of the body of Christ. Because the interpretation that someone has of your church or any church will be down how all you church people. They don't care about what church because they know we are an organism because it again the interpretations you all preach from the same bible the interpreter you all talk to the same god so there should be a literal unifying of the language across the barriers across the dominations but we do not have that because we don't know how to collaborate we have that in this selfish selfish autonomy of entitlement and personality ministry and we have not allowed the spirit of collaboration to come because it's like we all should hear the same no you hear this i hear that then if we're not hearing the same then are we talking to the same god there needs not be a coming back to the heart of God. And you don't just hear, you hear through your personality, but you hear through your personality, but you receive through his word. Because every prophetic word and utterance should align to the word of God. And right. that's the issue. We're hearing prophecy, but we're not bringing prophecy back to the word. Because again, prophecy shall cease. Speaking in tongues shall be no more. But the word of the Lord shall stand forever. And so we're forgetting to go back to his word. Jesus. Because when prophetic utterances go forth, the Bible says test everything. The prophetic words will align with the word of God. But we don't have that because we are lacking churches with prophetic voices. We keep thinking prophetic voices are just supposed to speak about and rebuke. No, rebuke, yes, but we're supposed to help the upkeep of the culture of the agenda of God within not just that local house, but within the body of Christ. You're not just a prophet to emerge city. You are a prophet to the body of Christ. Right, right. But you operate your assignment, your call, and your assignment at Emerge City. That's the nature of what we have to link up. I, my call is a prophet. My prophetic call is operative through my assignment as the senior pastor of Emerge City. Mm. But I'm a prophet to the body of Christ. Because if I was just a prophet to Emerge City, then my then my perspective, my view will only be to this house. But when God speaks to me, he speaks concerning the whole body because we're one organism. Mm. But we don't have this in church because we are our own attire. Because we don't like accountability. Because when you're an organism, you're accountable to one another. How can you say, Scripture says, how can you say you do out First Corinthians 12? How can you say you do out your hand? You can't. Your body would be incapable. To fully function. Yeah. So because what you was just touching on, definitely this question uh should definitely be a piggyback. What what dies or has to die <laughs> for a paradigm shift to take place? What dies or what has to die? You. <laughs> you I knew that was gonna be your answer. Jesus. Jesus says it's the best. Pick up your cross and follow, and follow me. When the disciples said, oh, I got to go bury my father, let the dead bury the dead. The father wasn't dead. Naturally, he wasn't dead. But what he's saying, speaking spiritually, if you go back, you will die just like him and you will not see life. Wow. Because you're not at the heel of where life is at. You're at the heel of death. Jesus had to take you out of the atmosphere. Oh, God. I put my hope right there. Jesus is drinking them out the atmosphere of death. But you just, and again, we cannot let loyalty kill us. So what has to die? Our loyalty to a system of not wanting to change. Can you change? 
Change is the inevitable. Change is the only constant. Right. The 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 ineffectiveness to change will produce it will will actually accelerate your spiritual death, spiritual fatigue, or spiritual uh <laughs> spiritual wandering, or all those things. So at the end of the day, listen, you have to allow yourself not to die where you're supposed to live. So you got to, again, tear down the altars, the altars in your home, uh, know how to combat this spirit of the enemy, not always engage with it, um, know how to worship, know how to pray, know how to fast, know how to declare, know how to, you got to know, you have to know how to navigate, but what has to die is you. And you have to really put up in your heart to follow. And so the, the question is, are you willing to go? Are you willing? Are you able? And are you ready? That's war. That's war. Are you ready to? Are you ready to go to war? War with you before you go to war for the uh, for the world. Go to war with yourself. Jesus. You're on the first battlefield. You're on the first battlefield. You are trained to 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 uh, train. The crazy part is you're trained to fight against you. You're trained to fight against you. Can you handle that fight? We can handle the fight of the world, but we can't handle the fight of our own home. Not even the house. Us. This house. That's the that's the that is the battle we lose every time. Because we are, watch this, we are biased to ourselves. Mm. That can't be me. No, I'm not that bad. No, you might be that bad. Yeah. No, that no, yeah. 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 We're in denial. So, you know, that's, yeah, that's just. Even, that. even with that question, I thought again about the crown and how <laughs> when her father died, you know, she had to, she, she went, she left a place as princess, had the land now as queen. Mm-hmm. And, and she read this letter from her grandmother and her grandmother says, every, she said, um, there's two, there's two different Elizabeths now. Mm-hmm. It's the one that has to die, which is the old life that you live, and the one that's now has to put this the crown first. And she said it's gonna be coming, there's gonna be coming a time where your emotions is gonna try to get in the way, but the crown always takes precedent. And, and <laughs> can I even help to that to that scene? All right. So if you ever watch the crown, you watch it, uh, I think it's episode three, four, one of those episodes. Yeah, exactly. This is the thing, this is the kicker. She gets home. She could not look at her father. Right. Because it would have made her forfeit her promise. She had to turn her back to death. Jeez. <laughs> oh my you God. have this is the kicker. You oh have to turn God. your back to what trained you. Oh my God. You have to turn your back to a system that trained you. Oh, you need Bible for it? You got to turn your back to a system that trained you. Samuel and Eli. First Samuel chapter three. Eli tells Samuel, give me the word of the Lord. Right. Samuel did not know, did not recognize the voice of God up till this moment. He heard everything from God through Eli's voice. The Lord then shows him. The first place Eli, um, Samuel has to prophesy is to his teacher. The first place he has to prophesy is the place that trained him. He had to prophesy to a system that was broken. Jesus. Can you prophesy to what trained you because now it's broken? 
can you prophesy and say, I'm not what you trained? Wow. Can you now prophesy? Can you do that? No. Mm-mm. You can't. Because you, you're going to become like Eli. Demise. I become familiar with what I trained. Eli knew his sons defiled the temple. But because he, watched this, cared more about being a father than being a priest, he forfeited his atonement by operating in torment. What do you mean? He trained priests. He knew the order to get redemption. He was the gatekeeper for redemption. But you forgot it because you lack familiarity to forget you of your assignment. So you could not no longer do what you needed to do because you didn't turn your back to death. But the thing that you trained caused your death. Mm. His sons made him die. I'll say that again for, for church people, for leaders. Don't let your sons kill you. Oh, Eli not putting order in his son's life caused death to who he was. How many of us are causing death to our leaders? My God. You know why I said this last week? You know why some leaders couldn't fight COVID-19? Because they had a broken heart. Right. Don't be the reason why your leader can't fight. Don't be the reason why they can't get the future. Because you don't want to shift. If you, I got to go, I got to go. Let, let's go to 1 Samuel. Oh God. 1 Samuel chapter 2. God, I need you to hear this language. Because you say, well, what do you mean? 1 Samuel chapter 2. Verse 12. Now it says, now the sons of Eli were scrondlers, um, who had no respect for the Lord or the duties as priests. And whenever anyone offered the sacrifice, Eli's sons would send over a servant with a three-pronged prong while the meat of the sacrament animal was still boiling. Now jump all the way down to verse 22. Look at this. Now Eli was very old, but he was aware of what his sons were doing. Eli was old, but he was aware of what his sons were doing to the people. He knew, for instance, that his sons were seducing the young women who assisted at the entrance of the temple. What are priests covering? The entrance. We have defiled the entrance of God. And that's why people are not encountering you. Because I'm violated before I enter. Wow. (laughs) And I'm not violated by the people. I'm violated by the priests. He said, Eli said to them, I've been hearing reports. How do you not say nothing? You ain't got to, but you as there, this is the crazy part. You not, were not only a good priest, you wasn't a good father. And this is why we got kids that hate church. Because they not only lost a parent, they lost a leader. Well, all right, maybe I may not have a good father, but can I get a good leader? At least Jesus. So we're losing leaders. Because they're unwilling to have a conversation. If Eli would have had a conversation with his sons, you know what that could have prevented? 
death. Death. A conversation. We got this whole thing of slandering God. Are we going to expose? Some people have watched this generational habits. Because he trained them as people, but that also shows something in their bloodline. Because guess what? Where did Eli get that ability of not having to know how to have a talk? But he was trained to be a priest. Doesn't it sound familiar? He did the same thing with his sons. I trained you to be a priest, but I ain't trained you to be a man. All right, I got to go. I got to go. I'm done. I'm done. Oh, Jesus. We're training great, great gifts, but we're not training good people. Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, how you can talk like this? Because I've been there. Mm-hmm. I've been there. Broken, busted, disgusted. Marriage and toil. Trouble. I've been through all of that. A great priest, but a horrible man. I lost everything. Oh, we don't want to talk about this in church, but you lost. Right. Because right. we want to hold this honor. No, I don't want you to make the same mistake. This is why Eli said, don't make the same mistake as me. Because I was a horrible priest and a horrible father. So I don't want you to do what I'm doing. That's a good father. When you're willing to tell your sons, don't be me. Don't do what I did to my sons biologically. And this is why we can't shift homes. You don't want to deal with the truth. I'm broken. I messed up. But I still can get atonement. Eli, you knew the order of atonement. But you stayed in torment. I feel the hope. I know both Because there are some people who never got the conversation from their parents. They never got the concept of what it means to be a man or a woman, but you've been told you're a great gift. We've lost the hope of being spiritual sons because we've been lost sons in the natural. Because we thought what happened in the church going to happen at uh, happen at home going to happen in the church. Mm-hmm. But this is the day of sonship to return. Not perfect fathering. Because there's not every every leader in the church ain't a perfect father. But they lead you. There's something that puts you in God. But we need to heal the heart of the individual so they can carry the gift. What gift am I talking about? Them. Your gift operation, your spiritual gift comes through the gift that you are. There's no different person. So, praise the Lord. Thank you for listening to the Emerge City Now podcast. If you were blessed by this message today and would like to partner with us by way of giving, you can go to our website at www.emergecity.org and click the Give tab and sow your seed today. We thank you for listening to Emerge City Now. Subscribe and share this message with someone as we take Christ into culture.